Hello, my name is Richard Metcalf, founder of Xquadrant. I coach some of the world's top executives and management teams, helping them achieve bigger and more meaningful results than ever before. In this season, I'm speaking with C-suite leaders from around the globe to find out what the COVID-19 pandemic has taught them and what wisdom they have to share for other leaders. Welcome to Leadership Lessons for Challenging Times. This was an interesting uh, conversation with Fred Trinell of Ecovadis. Ecovadis is a highly successful um, player in the uh, sustainability space, recently raised over $200 million and are making great uh, impact in the world. Uh, and with Fred, I really talk about not just the 2020 crisis with COVID, but also the three or four different experiences he's had as an entrepreneur from 1997 onwards and how he's navigated those, what his playbook is and how you can play offense and defense at the same time uh, in order to better prepare your company for success um, and to manage the risks. So enjoy this conversation with Fred Trinell. Hi, Fred. Hi. Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for coming on the uh, on the call. Thanks for inviting me. So, um, before we jump in, why don't we just get, ask you to give a two-minute kind of elevator pitch on, you know, who you are, what your background is, and what is EcoVadis for those who don't know. Okay, so so Fred Trinell, so I'm uh, I'm EcoVadis uh, co-founder and co-CEO. EcoVadis is a leading leading rating agency on corporate social responsibility. So what we do is effectively to rate company performance on environmental, social, and business ethics. And uh, our main clients are large corporations using our solution for their procurement team to take uh, the right decision and help their suppliers to improve. So that's what we do. And so it's really about providing, just to ask this, so it's really about providing visibility across the supply chain of yes, environmental yes. impact and corporate social responsibility. Yeah. Absolutely. All those companies, they have several tens of thousands of suppliers all over mm -hmm. the world. It's extremely hard for them to understand you know, what is the, their exposure in terms of risk, uh, what is the level of performance of each of those companies across the globe. So what we do at Ecovedis is effectively to uh, assess each of them and give a rating uh, so that the procurement team can take the, the, the right decision. And it's for procurement, but we're also acting in finance world with private equity firm that want to understand what is the performance of their portfolio companies. So it's, uh, yeah, it's effectively also helping those companies to improve by mm. feeding, feeding them back with some uh, data information, benchmark on their own performance so that they can decide on how best to improve. Yeah, perfect. And uh, yeah, I know it's a high, highly successful company. You've just raised huge amounts of money. Uh, it's going really well. So um, thank you for taking time out of that high growth business for this uh, call. Um, tell me a bit about your background, Fred. Like how, what was the journey that led you there? And I know you were talking here about leadership in challenging times. I know you've had other challenging times, you know, before 2020. So tell me a little bit about, you, you know, your history. You, yeah. No, so my, my background is entrepreneurship. Uh, basically, I mean, Ecovedis is my fifth company. I've only worked for myself. I started my first business uh, 35 years ago in Asia, in Hong Kong, where I lived for 10 years. And um, 
and my major is technology uh, and finance. So uh, usually uh, when I start a new company, often with a partner, business partner, uh, I'm doing it uh, with Ecovadis, with Pierre-François Thaler, who is uh, focusing on the marketing and the sales side, and I do the operations. So I do everything related to technology, to finance, and in general, the production and the operation of the organization. Great. And so tell me about some challenges. So let's perhaps jump in to, let's actually, let's start right now. Right now, you know, we're, as we're recording this, we're still in lockdown, uh, you know, here in France for, with COVID-19. So, you know, how have you had to adapt? Have you had, you know, what have you had to do in, in Ikevadis? You know, what's, what's worked, you know, and perhaps what, if you would do it again, would there be anything you would do differently? Okay. Uh, so in Ikevadis, in effect, we were we are pretty lucky because the the company is quite distributed across the world. I mean, we have like 650 employees spread in 13 offices. Plus, many people are working from home uh, in area where we don't uh, have uh, an office, and um, and therefore the organization was pretty ready or geared to be able to work from home. Let's say. So on the operational side, uh, yeah, we didn't suffer so much uh, in the sense that the transition to work from home went really smoothly. Having said that, uh, there is a number of things that we needed to do or we decided to do uh, in order to uh, make sure that we go through this uh, crisis uh, in the best possible manner. Uh, As you mentioned earlier, this is not the first one. I mean, I went through the Hong Kong 97, the financial crisis, you know, with the, the bat and the ringy that trigger a like, massive collapse of the Asian economy uh, through the 2001, <laughs> September 11. Yeah. And I, I tell you a little sorry about this one. And uh, so 2008, we just started Ecovadis. Uh, Ecovadis started in 2007. So we were very small at that time. So I think yeah. very nimble. We survived this one uh, pretty easily in a sense. And, and now uh, 2020. No, so those crises, uh, yeah, help you uh, shape, you know, uh, your experience and uh, and uh, and understand what uh, what are the mistakes that you will try not to do again in the future. So when you have so many behind you, there are quite a few opportunities to make mistakes, and we did certainly make mistakes in 2001. Just for the the little story, we. We raised fund, in fact, that we received on the bank account on the Friday, September 7th. And, uh, and I was flying to New York from London where I was living on Monday evening. That was the 10th of September. And supposed to land in New York on the, uh, the 11th at 10 a.m. So uh, that, was, that was quite... Um, well, quite a shock, of course, because uh, the company was, uh, at that time, we had, we had eight offices. It was a SaaS business, okay, eight offices across Europe and a monthly burn rate of around 1 million. From the day uh, to the other, one day to the other, the entire business stopped. And it wow. stopped for like um, 18 months. We didn't sign any single contract. And um, it took probably, um, yeah, two years to recover and start again the business. By that time, so what did what did you do then? What did you do? I mean, that's that's incredible. Not, How not did the you? Right thing. That's exactly the point. Not the right thing. We 
we didn't do the right thing. And and let me um, share with you why we didn't do the right thing. I mean, there is no excuse, but what we learned from this. Um, so when, when you think about it, there are different types of crises, obviously uh, pure financial crises, like the one in uh, Asia in 97 and the one in 2008. Uh, they have direct impact on the economy. And then you have the crisis like 2001, and in fact, this to 2020, where it's not really the economy that is, uh, you know, uh, having a, an, an issue primarily. It's an external factor. It's the, yeah. the September 11 towers yeah. attack and, and then the virus this time. And therefore, it's completely different crisis because when you have an external factor, we thought at that time that the economy was fine and it will rebound and uh, go back to normal in a couple of months. So what we didn't do that we should have done uh, was to slow down and to cut cost or at least stop the bleeding and, and stop increasing our cost base, which is quite the contrary of what we did at that time. We were pushed actually by external mem- I mean, investors, for instance, mm. to, ex- to continue to accelerate. Um, right. and, um, and that's what we did. And it's, I mean, it's our fault. Huh? We should have slowed down and uh, look at what happened and, uh, and be ready for the worst. We didn't. So that's a big learning for me. Uh, from the 2001 experience was to say, uh, yeah, you have to be extremely proactive to anticipate and to be ready for the worst until you are sure that the worst will not happen. And with a priority to obviously protect the company and the, the employment and the people. So so we didn't do it in 2001 and it cost us a lot because what right. had to happen is that we needed to raise additional funding in a very bad context, uh, not favorable at all for the for the entrepreneurs and for the historical shareholders, as you can imagine. Mm. Uh, so we learned the hard way. And this is clearly something that um, we did very differently in 2020. 2008, Ecovedis was too small, so we didn't have to face yeah. this kind of challenge. Huh? But uh, but now with a company of our size, it's not a huge company, but still, right. I mean, 650 people is it's uh, is significant. Yeah, we immediately, as soon as we identified that there is something extraordinary happening, because it's in fact it's something really yeah. like uh, extraordinary. You can expect that it's going to have extraordinary impact on your business. And um, yeah. unpredictable. And, right? It's hard to know. And, it's hard to know what's going to happen, all the effects. But, you know, but one thing is sure is that, I mean, one thing is sure. It's not sure, but you know that you're going to lose a quarter. You're going to lose a quarter. When you have such a dramatic event happening, whatever yeah. happens in the best case scenario, you're going to delay one quarter your uh, annual uh, forecast. Yeah? So already uh, when you're growing, we're growing like 35 to 40% a year. Uh, we are investing a lot. We have 200 openings. In February, we had 200 hirings going on. 80 of them already in uh, either probation period or um, yeah, or, or just uh, received an offer and uh, and ready to start. So, yeah. so the first action we took was to hiring freeze. I mean, very uh, in in beginning of March, late February, to make sure that we contain the cost until we have more information on how things will go. So that's right. that's the first, uh, and yeah, and cut me if I'm uh, too talkative, yeah. but that's the first, that's yeah. the first step we, uh, 
we ticked. Yeah. And, um, okay, the first thing with real that kind of like refocusing, looking at priorities, looking at costs, making sure that you, you know, yeah. you're so, taking a so conservative stance, I guess. Yeah, everything that we could do, again, to protect the company until we know what's going on, to protect the employment yeah. of our existing employees, and, uh, and therefore, so hiring freeze, postponing uh, every starter, because basically in this particular crisis, we are in lockdown. So we cannot even welcome them in any office, yeah. you know, how to train them, even if it's feasible, it's much harder, definitely. So we postpone the new starter and we renew all, um, yeah, probation trial period uh, right. to, yeah, to be ready for the worst in a way. So mm. that's the first thing we did. The second thing we did was to, and that's really thanks to the, the finance team and the, the, the CFO in place to increase the granularity of our reporting and the frequency of our reporting, but, but, mm. but big time. That's mean today we have a daily monitoring of all the operation, all the key KPIs that are yeah. critical for defining how is our business yeah. Uh, health, you know, and, and where we are going are reported on a daily basis or measure on a daily right. basis, which is... That reminds me, if I can interrupt, that reminds me, you know, it's a bit like if you're on, a, I mean, I know you're a keen sailor and um, you know, if you're on a boat and you've got a great visibility, you know, you set your course and then you can just keep looking and it's quite easy to see and you've got confidence. But when the visibility closes in, when you've got fog and whatever, you need to keep looking very often, right? You need to keep adjusting all the time. I guess that's what you're saying. When visibility yes. is low, you need to increase the frequency of, of um, you know, walking around the boat and seeing where you are, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. You have a, even a, a better analogy, which is the, the flying. Huh? If you are in visual uh, flight roles, uh, you can look at the horizon. If you go into the cloud, then you move to look at the instrument. You look at the reporting, yeah. the data. Uh, yeah. to take decision. So it's really, yeah. So you need to have the right data. You need to have the right data and we are blessed to have a, uh, an amazing team on the, the statistical and data analysis and the finance team to be yeah. able to produce this. So, so once you have this, you can have the lagging indicator, but also try to define what will be the leading indicators and how you're going to monitor them to understand how bad things are going or will be going and when will be the rebound so that you can right. start uh, reinvesting. So that's yeah. the second thing we do. So change the reporting frequency and granularity. The, the third thing we did was to set um, from the very beginning of the crisis, uh, very frequent communication uh, forum with the team, with the entire team, uh, whole hands every I mean every fortnight every two weeks and whole hands with Q&A uh, very transparent we have an organization where we prone really transparency and um, yeah so we we answer questions we try to reassure the staff uh, yeah. on the fact that we are in control of in control as much as we can be but for the internal factors we are in control of the situation we 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 are lucky on the sense that we've just raised uh, capital uh, not long ago. So we are pretty safe on this side. However, um, uh, we try to reinsure the team. We try to make sure that the team 
is uh, able to deliver, is able to continue to work, and uh, yeah, and and uh, and if they have any question, that we can address them basically. So that's yeah. for the entire team, and we set a B weekly meeting with the entire XCOM to decide uh, on what's the plan. <laughs> We call it the COVID plan, as probably everybody does. <laughs> but uh, but we have uh, we have set up those meetings, and uh, quickly we decided to to separate the meeting in two groups: uh, one meeting for offensive, and one meeting for defensive action plan. Because we thought that every time we were mixing both, it wasn't that yeah. effective. Uh, yeah, you need to and, and, and just to expand on that because I know we've talked about this in the past, right? So the defensive, obviously, it, it's all the business continuity measures you're taking, and the offensive is okay. How do we come out of this as fast as we can? How do we take advantage of this? You yeah. know, where's the needs in our customer base? Yes. Yeah. How do we serve so the, people more powerfully? Yeah. So we we looked at it on the offensive plan. So how can we turn these prices in? to an advantage for EcoVenice. And we look at it for uh, like during the operational lockdown, um, just uh, during, I mean, uh, how do you stay, how do you remain resilient, you know, to the crisis and um, how you get prepared for the rebound and what will be the new normal. So around those axes. So we try to find idea uh, and also around our main pillars, which are, I mean, it's quite standard, but the, the, the customer, the employees, the shareholder, and then the, the, the society, the community. Planet and society, mm. that's how we call it. So for each of those pillars, we try to find idea and, and, um, and collect idea from the team, opening, a, you know, like an idea box email where anyone can send their recommendation or idea they have on the subject and, uh, and really empower the team to monitor uh, this plan uh, and to to extract content from the organization and make sure that we uh, use whatever spare time we may gain because of the slowdown yeah. in the activity to continue to create value for the organization. So we did it again, offensive and defensive. Uh, in the defensive one, yeah, it was organized. It's organized by business unit, and it's quite. Um, it's quite standard. So that's, that's what we've done. Um, so, so I think that's great. So let me just play that back, right? Just to summarize. So, you know, you've, you froze costs uh, where possible, kept costs under control, accelerated the frequency of reporting. You accelerated the frequency of communication. Um, you actually accelerated the frequency of decision-making with your executive team, offensive and defensive. So I think that's a really nice kind of summary yes. right mm-hmm. of how in those when uncertainty comes in you know you need to kind of speed up the frequency of things um communicate more than ever um yeah and if you say plan for the worst you know hope for the best plan for the worst which, yeah, exactly. um, which which is nice so, so let me ask um how's how have these difficult times and you say you've had several of them over the, over the years how have they f- forced you to grow as a leader? You know, what have you learned through those periods or how have you had to grow? Well, I think uh, you, you, you probably, there is things that you learn you don't even know that you learn. <laughs> Actually, the behavior that I, we have today and it's quite nice to be managing a company with two CEOs 
mm. to have a co-CEO team because you have uh, sometimes the yin and the yang. And uh, my background make me extremely safe. I behave extremely in a safe manner in this right. context. Uh, my co-founder, uh, Pierre-François, is, is more, uh, all right, let's invest to be ready for when we come out okay. of the crisis. So, so you're playing defense, <laughs> you play defense and he's playing offense, which brings exactly. both sides together, which is so nice. That makes life much easier. Itself, mm. you know, your schizophrenia need to make yeah, it really nice. in the right direction. So you learn, so this is, I mean, the way we behave today is, I behave today toward this crisis is, is undoubtedly a result of the trauma of, for instance, 2001. Um, but what we learn, what I learn, uh, again, it's, it's, you need to be ready for the worst. You need to anticipate in a proactive manner. And, and, and personally, I tell myself, I really make sure, I mean, it's really hard to, to turn down the hirings, you know, or maintain the hiring freeze when you know that people are yeah. overloaded sometimes, very busy, uh, agree, I mean, ambitious targets. It's, not, it's hard. And if you look at it at every case by case, it's hard to take a decision to maintain the strategy that we've defined, which is to preserve, to stay on the safe side, sail far from the rock, basically. And I think what I learned is that you need to be firm on that. Uh, one thing that, that for sure you don't know, especially in a crisis like this one, which is a, probably a, potentially a camelback crisis, meaning the main problem is not the economy, but the problem we are facing today may trigger a problem tomorrow in yeah. the economy, which is probably what we, uh, we can... Yeah, we can think that it might happen this way. We'll tell, we'll, we'll see in two months or three months' time how it goes. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we have to be extremely safe. So that's something I've learned. The communication, communication. Uh, I mean, uh, over communicate. Uh, let's not assume people understand uh, whatever messaging you are pushing forward. Um, that's that's something that, uh, yeah. Open communication, but two stream, two two ways. Yeah, uh, having people also asking asking their question, and and one more thing I would add. I mean, you need to stay in control of the game. It's like when you fly or when you sail or when when you drive, you need to be in control of the game. And uh, and in a way, what you certainly don't want is to demotivate the entire team, you know, and to not make sure that they are really, you know, we are really pushing it. And what we've been really communicating as a message internally is that, uh, I mean, there are external factors that we cannot control, but there are internal factors that yeah. we can certainly control. And, I, and we keep telling the team, because I, I really believe it's true, is that the way we're going to get out of this situation and this crisis, how well are we going to be able to get out will be directly correlated in our ability to create momentum today and to, you know, do whatever needs to be done in order to go the extra miles so that we can, you know, convince customer, retain customer, uh, make sure that the team is still yeah. performing and, uh, and, and the mood, the overall mood. And, and I mean, you know a little bit our company, Richard, so the energy, that yeah. we are able to maintain, it's extraordinary. And I hope, I, I hope that we're going to be able to get out all together 
from this crisis, meaning we won't yeah. have to go further than the cost reduction through the hiring freeze that we've decided. We've decided, but if it has to go this way, uh, it will be only once. We will do it only once. Yeah. That's another yeah. mistake that we did in 2001. Yeah. Is we didn't do one restructuration. Restructuring, yeah. sorry, we we went into something progressive, which yeah. was terrible. Just complicated, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I love that focus on what, you know, what can you control? There's um, a friend of mine called um, Kent Julian. You know, he has a, a phrase, E plus R equals O. You know, events plus uh, your response to the events equals the outcome. You yeah. know, and so events we can't control, our response to the events we can control. And yes. it's the two of those that will create the outcome. Yes, and so, the... And the- and yeah, and, and just last more last comment is again mm. if you imagine that uh, so we have the financial health to be able to absorb past part of the cost of this crisis without having to um, you know restructure the company and fire people. But we do that on the basis that we trust the team is able to create value still. Yeah on the time that they don't have, you know, to take busy, to be busy with the client or with support because there is less call. Or, yeah. and, and, and this is exactly the case. So it's really a yeah. time where we can refocus as well on what we need to strengthen internally yeah. so that we continue to have solid foundation for the foundations. Yeah. Yes, lay the foundations, absolutely. Yeah, it's the time to double down to get it ready for growth. Yes. So a couple of quick questions, Fred, before we, before we start. This has been really helpful. I just love those, you know, those five kind of key pillars we discussed and offense and defense, um, the advantages of having two, two CEOs, um, the number of great topics we've talked about. Um, let me just ask you a few kind of personal questions, um, put you on the spot, uh, some rapid fire, uh, rapid fire questions. So do you have a favorite book? What would that be? <laughs> Well, I, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't read much, but clearly the user manuals are my favorites. <laughs> I love user manuals, but complex one, like uh, operating on boots. <laughs> okay. No, I love this one. No, but, but, but on the, 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 the on business book, for sure, one thing that one book that I really recommend is The Innovator Dilemma. I love this book because it's yeah. so uh, incredible to see how we can be blinded by success uh, yes. and uh, and to take the right to wrong decision sorry and how do you manage innovation within an organization I, I really recommend this book because uh, yeah it has amazing insights uh, yes yeah, yeah. no it's, it's, it's a great book um, yeah and it's, it's really about how companies make the right decisions at every stage but it ends up being the wrong decision right it really yeah. really great no, no, it's, um, uh, yeah. how about how about your kind of top productivity tip you know what do you do to keep yourself productive obviously you've got you're juggling a lot of things what's been really helpful for you wow um well clearly uh the, there is a kind of routine uh i try to uh, uh i try to block spots but I mean, it's not breakthrough and not very original, but I, I really try to block spot in my calendar and condense a meeting, you know, so that right. it's really highly focused uh, during all those meetings that goes, you know, the whole day and then have other day where I can think on how uh, to prepare. I mean, not how, but to prepare those meetings. I learned this from, uh, I, 
used to live in the US, uh, where I just moved back recently. And uh, and in fact, because the team is spread all over the world, but uh, many people are in Europe, uh, we were extremely busy in the morning and a lot of time in the afternoon because on the west of the US, there yeah. is nothing. Huh? You go back to the east to go to, go to Hong Kong or yeah. Asia, you know, they are sleeping. They are sleeping during the afternoon uh, in, in New York. So, so that's that's a productivity yeah. tip that I would great. Yeah, so batch, yeah, batching your time, right? Bringing things together, it's, it's great as well. Yes. I agree. Otherwise, you end up with a Swiss cheese kind of diary where you know uh, you're always twitching. Well. You're always twitching. Well. Yeah. Who's who's a leader that inspires you? Well, uh, <laughs> well, uh, quite a few actually, but of course the traditional one. I'm, I'm totally amazed by uh, by Steve Jobs uh, for sure. Uh, even though, uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's quite standard. Um, no, that's it. I don't have okay. much. I don't have many, actually. Okay. What about what about? Here's a good one. Childhood hero. Who was a hero for you as a child? Who inspired you or excited you as a child? I, I don't even dare to tell you. The hero was called Fontomet. Ah, Fontomet. My <laughs> wife loves Fontomet. You know her. Uh, my wife my wife is a fan. I have. To, I'm probably throwing her under the bus now. <laughs> yeah, normally is the wife. No, no, uh, yeah, no, that's one of them. Okay, sure. so for any, anybody who doesn't know who Fontomet is can go and, you know, Google and uh, find out. Um, do you have a favorite quote or motto? Yeah, well, yeah, no, the motto is that uh, we, 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 it's the one we use at Ecovedis, huh? uh, work smart, have fun, and make the difference. Huh? Uh, that's, that's what we say. It's... Uh, yeah, I think really work smart is extremely important. We came from a world where people were working hard. I think uh, we really have to, I mean, we love the shift to be working smart. Great. Well, hey, that, that was all I wanted to ask you, Fred. Before we leave, um, where can people find out more about you or about Ecovadis? Where should they go? Okay, about me, they're not going to find anything because I... Uh, I grew up in an environment where to be happy, you stay hidden. But about the company, ecovedis.com, clearly they find everything online. Uh, and um, yeah, we're saving the world. So happy to have more supporters everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, thanks again, Fred. Great for you to um, join us today and um, look forward to continuing our conversations. Okay. Thanks, Richard. Bye Take now. Take care. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's turn to you. If you're a top performer who's already accomplished great things and yet knows that there's a whole new level of impact and potential open to you, then why don't we get on the phone and strategize on how to get you there? Head over to xquadrant.com forward slash speak to find out more. Until next time, be bold and be purposeful.